My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, we're back with another Anonymous episode. It's been a couple weeks, um, but I know that these episodes are super, super helpful for you, and I love them too. So I have another mom here. Her name is Noelle, and she was gracious enough to actually, I, I think Noelle reached out to me actually just wanting to talk about her story a little bit and help other moms. So really excited and thankful to have her. So Noelle, why don't you um, just tell us a little bit about, about your background, about your family, to give our listeners some context for where you're coming from. Hi, yes, thank you. Um, I'm excited to be here today and to share my story. So I am currently 32. I had my first son when I was 30. He's now 20 months old and my husband and I are expecting our second baby. Um, who should be making their debut either late February or early March of 2021. So uh, another life change is coming for us. But um, we moved to Wisconsin in 2015 and we moved here. We don't have any family in the area um, and no, we moved here with no friends. We've since made friends, but um, are pretty much out here on our own. And since having my son, I have gone back to work, but I go back, I work part-time. Okay. Well, congrats on having, you know, expecting the second baby. I know we'll talk a lot about that and kind of what your transitions were like. So let's actually just start there, kind of your um, general transition into your first pregnancy, what labor was like and, and that early adjustment to motherhood with your first one. Yeah. So my pregnancy was really easy. I would say for, for both of my pregnancies, they've been really easy. There's the the normal aches and pains and things like that, but I pretty much breezed through both of them. Um, labor with my son also wasn't bad. I had I had to be induced um, at 41 weeks, and then I chose to get an epidural. Um, so that, I mean, from a, a pain standpoint, it was also pretty easy. I think for this next baby, what being a mom and um, going through labor once before has shown me and taught me was to be a better advocate for myself. So there's some things I'm going to change and request differently in my birth plan. But other than that, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's amazing what the, the mind will do and block out for you in terms of pain and like anxiety and fear. So I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting our next little one. We don't know what we're having. So that makes labor a little bit more bearable when at the end you get this really awesome surprise. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of the transition to motherhood, so my labor was easy. The epidural, I, I felt 
nothing. So I also didn't feel the second degree tear that I had and stitches. And the immediate transition, that was a little rough because not only was I exhausted from just labor and leading up to labor, as we all know, you're not sleeping very well when you're 39, 40, 41 weeks pregnant. But then I was physically um, in a lot of pain, just dealing with the recovery itself. And so that all coupled together, the demand of a new mom from the little baby makes makes that transition pretty hard. Um, and so that that's what sticks out more to me. So pregnancy and labor weren't aren't the big ones that I remember. It's the immediately afterwards that um, still give me some some shivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, that it gives you shivers. And like you said, there are some things obviously that your brain as moms and as second time moms or third time moms are brains somehow have this way of kind of blacking things out, you know, and there are other things that stick around. So I'm sure there are lots of things that contributed to that, not having any family members around, not having a whole lot of social support there. Um, You mentioned some other things that came up to like opportunities to maybe have advocated for yourself that as a new mom going into it, you didn't realize that you, you know, this was an opportunity to advocate for yourself. So um, just talk to us a little bit more about that initial, what, what about it even now gives you those shivers about early transitioning to motherhood? Yeah. So I think the biggest one was um, before, and even with being a mother, I'm a very independent person. So I'm I'm very used to setting my own goals or setting my plan for the day for myself and being able to complete those tasks um, as I see fit and according to my needs. And so becoming the person that a new baby solely relies on, I was not anticipating what that isolation was going to feel like. So I chose to breastfeed, um, which I think we'll talk a little bit more about, but that just adds another layer of um, being completely depended on by your newborn baby. So I had grown up, I come from a big family and there were always babies around, always cousins having babies. So I went into my pregnancy thinking, this isn't going to be terrible. I know how to take care of a baby. I know how to take care of a child. Um, But what I wasn't prepared for was how my baby's neediness of me and their crying was going to impact me. And that was the piece that I really never even considered. So yes, I knew how to change diapers, give baths, feed a baby, but I was completely lost when it came to my baby screaming for five straight hours and not knowing how to resolve that. And also not being prepared for what that was gonna do to me internally and mentally. And so that piece alone was really what set me into a a downward spiral. Um, And I was later diagnosed with postpartum depression, but it was the complete ineptitude and feeling lost of how to deal with this, this new emotion of being someone's whole world and still not being able to make it right for my child and listening to them cry and trying to do everything I could and it still wasn't working. So it just added on to that trapped and isolated feeling no matter who was around to help me or who was a phone call away, it was still just so isolating for me. 
Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> even hearing you talk about it now, like I I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I felt. Yes. That is exactly how I felt. Like I was writing down notes here, just the words that you were using the ineptitude, the like not knowing how to resolve the baby crying. I remember driving. I think I, I was like a week or two out from postpartum. I hadn't left the house. And like you, I'm really independent. I like a routine to my day. I like my regimen. I'm really structured in that way. And I knew obviously, duh, like, of course that's going to change, but nothing prepares you for that. Nothing prepares you for that like crazy identity shift and that identity crisis. And this feeling of like, I don't know how to help you. Like they're crying. They need you constantly. And then when you have that feeling of ineptitude, then you feel this compounded guilt and shame on top of that. Like, you know, why am I feeling, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but I certainly did. Like I already felt awful that I couldn't help my baby from not crying as much or, you know, sleeping better or anything like that. And then I had this compounded feeling like, why am I frustrated with this baby? He's just a baby and I'm his mom. Like what is wrong with me that I'm not handling this better? So there's just so many negative emotions that can come from it. And you're explaining it really well, like just the ineptitude piece and the neediness that's so triggering for so many women. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you exactly, you said exactly right. I remember one night he was either one or two weeks old and it was a terrible night. And I just handed him to my husband and I said, I don't want him, take him back. And then the guilt and shame that comes with that, that like, oh my God, I wanted a child. I wanted a family. And now I'm sitting here telling, saying it out loud, like letting it become truth that I don't like him. I don't like my baby. I don't. So there were all of these little signs that started to build up that made me stop and realize like, okay, what you're experiencing is probably normal for a lot of women, but it doesn't need to be your normal. It doesn't need to be your constant because bonding with your baby is not something that happens the minute that they exit the womb. Um, knowing exactly what your baby needs is not something that happens the minute that you go skin to skin. And it took, you know, a lot of my own tears, a lot of my own suffering for me to realize, okay, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad mom. I just need help in breaking through some of these barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you're bringing up a good point of this, this duality of normal versus common. So what you're, what you were saying is really cool and, and spot on, which is that these thoughts are common for moms, but they're not normal. Like you don't have to just accept that that's the way that it is. If you want to change that, or if you want to, you know, to feel better, or there's opportunities out there to get help, to get that diagnosis or to get some assistance from a professional. So it's definitely, I think, more common than we talk about. And hopefully by having women like you who are brave and vulnerable with this podcast, we can get more awareness out there, more education out there. Um, but it's definitely not normal. And I remember leaving for the first time my own kiddo um, for the first time, maybe two weeks after postpartum, I went to just Aldi's to get groceries. And I remember just wanting desperately to stay in the grocery store because I did not want to go home. Like it was the first time in two weeks that I felt like myself again. And I remember that was the first time that like the mom guilt hit me really hard. I'm like, I would rather be alone in a bathroom at Aldi's instead of at home with my child. Like what's wrong with me? And I remember crying so 
horribly badly to myself alone in the bathroom at Aldi's because I had this realization, like, I feel like my baby is a ball and chain. And like, I made this horrific mistake and there's no going back. Like, and, and I also had these dual emotions of like, I love him so much. And I feel like I made a mistake. Like how, how I'm, I'm so crazy that I have all these competing like emotions that don't make sense. So I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Oh, definitely. I mean, there were definite times where there was the guilt that what did I do? I made a mistake. Um, obviously it takes two to tango. So it wasn't just my decision to have a family or a child, but there felt this, um, overwhelming sense of, um, it was more my responsibility that we had my son versus my husband that, you know, my husband was along for the ride, but wasn't necessarily the decision maker. And so that also did not help the situation. Obviously my husband loves my son, but when you're, it's the mind has an amazing way of just twisting reality for you. So when you're already in this dark spiral, any, any little thought can then just become this catastrophe of demise for you. So, you know, my husband also had a bad night and I immediately like internalized that as he's all my fault. My son is all my fault. It's now my responsibility to make sure that like he doesn't cry or he gets to sleep well or this, that, and the other thing, because I don't want to disrupt my husband who didn't want this baby. And then, like you said, I sit there thinking for 18 years of my life now, I have to live with this mistake that I made, but I love him so much, but still I, I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's just so a very confusing bad. time. I mean, each interview that I do with the moms, I mean, part of, I see part of myself in all of them. And this one, this story in particular, I see so much of myself. And that's why when you reached out to me, I was like, we need to do this. We need to get moms to hear what can happen potentially so that they feel, I, I just know that if, if someone was there in my headphones telling me this story back then when I was in Aldi crying hysterically to myself, I probably would have felt so much better because like you said, like there's this compounded, you already feel awful, but then there's this compound of guilt and shame and imposter syndrome almost like everyone else is doing it. Like I've been around babies my whole life. I've been around kids my whole life. Why can I not do this? Why is it so much easier for everybody else? Yep, exactly. So I think, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there were a lot of things that could have contributed to why this was so difficult for you and for me and for lots of moms. And one thing that I think of in particular that you shared was that you were living in an environment where you didn't have family members right down the road, right? You didn't have family members, I think you said, even in the state. So um, you had just kind of moved here or recently moved here. You didn't even have kind of friendships established at that point. So talk to us a little bit about that and that burden of having to really go solo, you and your husband in this. Yeah, so that um, that was a big eye-opener just in terms of what what we're capable of as humans. So we moved here and we both worked an hour from where we lived in Wisconsin. So even our like work friends that we made, it wasn't, they're not close by. They're all, you know, far away. So if, if we did need help, it's not just, oh yeah, we'll be over in five minutes. It's more of a logistical planning. So when, when our son was born, we were fortunate enough to have grandparents come and stay with us um, for the first week. And then my husband had a week off and then it was just me and 
it became very obvious why there's the saying, it takes a village, because it's not something that we should expect to do on our own um, or be ashamed if you need help or need to reach out for help. And that's where for baby number two, my husband and I are trying to do a little bit better pre-planning in how can we make the transition easier for us. So even though we're out here by ourselves and even for this baby family is going to come in and help um, here and there, it's little things that if, if there's other moms out there that are by themselves, um, you know, like start thinking of meal delivery, like where, like Panera delivers food. Now with COVID, everyone's delivering food. Like don't, don't try to kill yourself by being super mom and showing the world that you have a clean house and you made dinner and you have a newborn and a toddler or another kid. It's just, it's not worth it. And frankly, it's not healthy for your whole family. So, um, that's the lesson we learned is that we have to really change our expectations in in what good and good enough look like so we used to really like i used to really get down on myself when the house was a mess and it's like well i was just home all day with a sleeping newborn how come i couldn't do the laundry and all of this stuff and then it's like no wait a minute being home with a newborn is actually really a lot of work and i'm also recovering and i'm sleeping a new newborn schedule so you you have to change your mindset you have to change your expectation and then in in lieu of physical support you need to find other ways to to get some relief for you and your family those are two so awesome those two pieces of advice are just awesome so i'm hearing you know one renegotiating with yourself and with your family like what does it look like to manage um kind of having to let certain things go that maybe the first round around you weren't able to let go as easily, easily like cleaning the house or doing laundry or anything like that. And then two, which is awesome. I think it's a great idea, which is, you know, if you don't have that support readily available in the form of family members or loved ones or whatever, then looking to outside support, like meal delivery services and all that. I think that even those little things could make a really big difference. Um, so I think that's awesome that, and, I, and I'm curious to pick your brain more by the end of the episode, I want to talk more about like, what other things are going to, are helping you kind of transition? Well, let's just do it now. What other things do you think are transitioning, are helping you transition into the second baby so that you can hopefully have, you know, an easier transition into having the second? So a big lesson that I learned with my first, um, from, you know, early like infancy, even through now as a toddler, I mean, he's, they're still very needy for many years, was just to surrender to, to the different role I have now as a mother. So instead of fighting it, instead of fighting that, oh, he needs me at 2 a.m. or he just spilled his water all over my, you know, carpet and I need to mop it up, just surrender and accept the phase of life that you're in right now. And that acceptance and that surrendering has made it much more peaceful for me to be able to accept that I don't have my quote unquote normal routine or that some things about myself have changed because I had, I looked inward at this whole experience and just realized that this is such a small portion of my life, but such a big portion of my children's lives for me 
to give them my best right now, that it's worth that sacrifice. Because soon, you know, he's going to be older and not care about me and not want to be around. And I'm going to miss these moments. And I'm, I don't want to look back on it in regret and say, oh, I wish I held him a little bit more. Or I wish that I, you know, didn't sleep train him so early or things like that. So the biggest one for me was a mind shift change and just accepting the new normal and accepting that that will change in phases of our lives. And then as we prepare for the second one, we've reached out um, within the, the Lake Country Facebook community to start looking at some babysitters to come and help um, on the weekends to give both my husband and I a break from our toddler and just to provide some reprieve in that way. We've also got um, some house cleaning quotes just to help around the house so that there's not um, the pressure to have, you know, maybe not a tidy house, but at least a clean house. And then, um, I mean, COVID has really um, changed the way that we do grocery shopping and eating in general. So, um, you know, we're still gonna order our groceries online, which has been a huge help. And then with COVID, we've been trying to support local businesses with um, eating, out like their curbside or delivery and so I think we'll continue to do that just to take some of the the weight off in the meal prep um, work as well. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or obsessive compulsive disorder check out NoCD. NoCD is a mobile platform where you can have effective affordable and convenient OCD therapy. You'll get to do live video sessions with a licensed therapist who specializes in exposure and response prevention, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. And depending on what state you live in, you may even be able to request to work with me. They take insurance, it's available in all 50 states, and you can even get support in between your sessions from your therapist and from a community of other individuals who also have OCD. To know more, go to www.treatmyocd.com and schedule a free 15-minute phone call. Be sure to tell them that Jenna Overbaugh sent you. Yeah, so many good recommendations. I can't wait for moms to hear. And it seems like you've just been really thoughtful about, you know, this is how miserable it was for me. This is what I'm taking from it. And this is how these are practical solutions for how we're going to try to make things better the second time around. And I think that's such valuable information. Um, I'm curious, this is something that came up just in our previous, you know, pre-recording conversations together. Something that was also really difficult for you the first time around was breastfeeding. You had said that it was honestly ruining your life, I think yeah. is, is what you said. So in talking about how you're prepping for the second baby, I, I'd love if you could kind of talk about your initial experience with breastfeeding, kind of what contributed to that experience being so miserable for you, and then how you plan on navigating that in the second round here. Yeah, so um, in general with my first pregnancy, even this one, I chose not to do like a lot of heavy reading or research just on pregnancy and labor and all of that because I just felt less was more for me. I didn't want to go into a rabbit hole of all of the things that could go wrong and then spur any unneeded anxiety that way. And one of those was breastfeeding. So I knew that I wanted to try breastfeeding. And before delivering my 
son, I had given myself the grace that if it wasn't working, that I, he was going to be formula fed and that was fine. I was formula fed, my sister was formula fed, and we turned out to be fine. Um, so my husband and I went to one breastfeeding class and that was it. And looking back on it, I probably should have done a little bit more research on what to expect, but um, there's nothing like going in blind. So what, what I was not prepared for was the cluster feeding one and just the overall dem like physical demand of my body from my son. So my son loved nursing. He would still be nursing today if my milk hadn't changed with my pregnancy. He absolutely loved it. So he was always ready to nurse and always wanting to nurse. And then the cluster feeding in those early weeks just added to that feeling of being trapped and losing sense of self. So similar to you, how your first like outing by yourself was Aldi, I had this huge fear of, I couldn't even go to Aldi because what if he needed to eat? And that was compounded. So, and we can get into this if you want to, but he had a tongue tie and a lip tie that we had released, but we had some further complications with that and he didn't take a bottle as well. And so it was six months of me being his only food source and that feeling of dependency was very hard for me to grapple with. I think in those early days too, before my postpartum diagnosis and treatment, um, what, I, what I experienced a lot of, and I'm sure other moms do too, is the unsolicited comments and advice from others that really start to trigger some um, questionable thoughts in moms. So, you know, I didn't grow up being breastfed and a lot of women in my family at the time didn't breastfeed. And so it was a completely new endeavor for a lot of the, the women that I was around or that were supporting me. And just the, the harmless comments of, oh, you know, there's another way, or there's nothing wrong with giving them a bottle here or there, or why don't you just try formula, or all of these problems would go away with formula. And while those come from a place of good, that's not helpful when my goal was breastfeeding. And even though I had given myself the grace to say, if this isn't working, I'm stopping and I'm going to do formula, it also didn't help support me during a really challenging time for me mentally because I didn't need to hear all of these other options of how to do it right as a mom. I just needed someone to bring me a snack when my son wouldn't get off my boob for four hours. I just needed someone to bring me some water and tell me that it was gonna be okay and not look at me weird when my boob was out all night watching a show with you because I didn't wanna be trapped in our room. So I think it was, it was a couple things, like just not being fully prepared for how much he was going to need me and then not being prepared for those harmless comments of advice as well. Yeah, I mean, you're bringing up <clears throat> even the feelings within me too. Like I, I remember the, that feeling of being needed constantly. That can just spiral and turn into so many negative emotions. I remember feeling resentful a lot. Like 
you know, I was resentful with my husband that like, he wasn't ever going to be needed in that way. I remember feeling resentful. Like I, I just always felt on, right. And as the default parent, especially in those early months where we are, you know, maybe potentially a hundred percent responsible for their food intake and all of their basic life needs at that point. Um, there's this mental load that nobody else can really get unless you're another mom in that situation. Right. So the dad can be just as tired as you in the middle of the night, but they're not going to understand the mental need of having to be needed. Like you can't even go to the grocery store because you aren't going to be needed as much as right. I am. Um, so it led, I don't know if you felt that way, but it just spurred into a lot of other associated and difficult emotions like resentfulness towards my husband and resentfulness towards my son. And I also just, I had a hard time too, like being needed in any other facet of my life, which is problematic because I'm a therapist, right? So I, I felt like my need basket was so empty. Like, like I had just taken, like my son just took and took and took and took from that availability of me being on and me needing to be needed that I had nothing left to give anybody else. And that's how these disorders and how these symptoms like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, they just kind of start and can spin out of control. Yeah. I mean, resentment is a really good topic for you to bring up because I, I can't believe I even forgot, but yes, I, I, and even to today, I still feel that way. Sometimes I think that the bond that was, you know, forged between my son and I, um, being that like soul provider of life for <laughs> in those early months and weeks, um, you think like, why can't you just do this? Or, you know, I know you're tired and you don't want to do the dishes either, but you also aren't feeding <laughs> the child all day long either. And that does cause for a lot of, um, tension at times in, in our marriage, even if I'm not voicing why I'm frustrated with my husband, it, it definitely is there in the back as I let that bubble a little bit and don't take care of it. Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of difficult emotions, lots of difficult things that come up in relationships. And I think we're talking about a lot of good ones. So I love that. Um, I'm curious to know more about your experience getting help for postpartum depression. So it seems like, I don't know if this has just always been kind of the person that you are, or if these really awesome insights have come as a result of therapy or getting treatment or just your own education, but it seems like you have just really great insight as to what you were struggling with and how other women can maybe benefit from your experiences. So what was your experience of getting help for your postpartum depression? And what are some things that you think you found really helpful in coming out of that darkness? Yeah. So in general, I'm a huge fan of therapy in all levels. I think mental health needs to be considered just as important as our physical health. So if you get a physical every year, you need to do a mental checkup as well. So that being said, um, I think what I had told you was, you know, the first three weeks that our son was home, I cried every day. And, you know, some of those crying bouts were long, short, but it was every day. And I finally called my husband at work and I just said, you need to call the doctor for me. There was there was a block in me for whatever reason that I couldn't reach out to the experts myself, but that I needed, I knew I needed help and I knew I needed him to do it. So he, he was the one that called my OB 
and just explained the situation. And then he went into the appointment with me. And um, when I was there, the the OB recommended, well, I talked to her nurse practitioner, but um, they asked if I was open to medication and I am more than willing to take medication if it's clinically necessary for any ailment, whether it's your mental health or your physical health. So I was fine with starting treatment um, with medication. And then some of the other suggestions they had, so they put me in for a referral with um, behavioral health to start with a therapist. And then ProHealth has a breastfeeding group, um, both at their Oconomowoc location and their Waukesha location that meets weekly, which sometimes is really rare for breastfeeding groups. Sometimes they only meet monthly at other um, places. So one of the uh, recommendations was to start going there, not even if I didn't need help for, with breastfeeding, but just to meet other moms that were going through something similar. And then um, the last uh, piece of advice to try was to get outside every day um, and try to go for a walk or just be outside briefly. So my son was born April 1st, so we were coming into spring summer. And so I was very fortunate that I you know, could take advantage of nice weather to be outside. I started medication and I'm still on the medication now. And I think that has made a world of a difference for me. Um, we actually try, I tried weaning down before this delivery just to avoid any withdrawals with the baby. And I experienced a few hard days with that. So I decided to stay on my normal dose. Uh, I didn't connect well with the therapist that I was assigned, but I've been in and out of therapy my whole adult life by choice. So I'm completely open to talk therapy. It's just, I didn't connect with the therapist I had. The biggest, um, I think turnaround for me was actually going to that breastfeeding group. It gave me something to look forward to every week when I was on maternity leave and it was just me and my son. So again, we had no friends, no family out here. So the days are long when it's just you and a baby. And so Thursdays became the day for me. I, that was my only goal that day was to get to breastfeeding group. So it gave me a reason to get up, to shower, to put on makeup, to feel kind of like myself and go and have some social interaction with other people, other adults. And from that group, I've actually made uh, friends that, and we still stay in touch and, you know, pre-COVID had play dates and things like that. And that has been the biggest um, turnaround for me and was the biggest um, help in my diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. You are catching on, I think, what would be my three as a therapist and also as a mom who was there myself. Um, I've gone to therapy. I have a diagnosis of postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, and I was also really helped by that breastfeeding group. Um, so I think the three biggest things that you touched on, which would be my recommendations for women who are listening or struggling would be obviously one talking to a professional. So there's lots of great help out there. I think therapy is amazing. Um, there is always the option to get that medication. There are tons that are safe to take while you're breastfeeding, while you're pregnant. 
Um, that's a discussion that you can have with your doctor. Um, and then, like you said, just getting out to these really structured groups. I think that those can be really helpful. Um, even now in the age of COVID, there are opportunities online for more virtual support groups and um, skills groups to kind of help women prepare for postpartum mental health issues. Um, that group that you're talking about in particular saved my life as well. Um, and that's what prompted me to make the moms group in Oconomowoc because there's nothing out there um, kind of for just moms in general. And like having that something to look forward to was the highlight of my week. <laughs> like, especially on maternity leave when I had, like I was starting to forget what day it was and what hour it was and my days were turning into nights and I had no sense of identity anymore it made such a great difference for me to, like you said, put on some makeup, get dressed in like somewhat normal clothes and have this place where I needed to be. I will also say, if you don't wanna do any of those things, that's okay too, like you'll get there. It's something that can be helpful. Um, I remember the first like three or four weeks I tried to go to that breastfeeding support group and I was like five minutes late or 10 minutes late or my son was sleeping or my son was cluster feeding. And I remember that was another situation where I remember just sitting at my kitchen table and bawling my eyes out because I just wanted to go to this support group. I just wanted to go and like, I'm, I, I can't be on time anymore for anything. My life revolves around this child. And I remember feeling really emotional and really resentful about that. And once I actually got myself to the group, which by the way, once you're a mom, you're always late, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, you don't need to show up on time for that one. Right, so once I finally went and I realized like, I'm 20 minutes late and I'm still the first mom here. Like, yep. <laughs> that's a good realization for me too. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Like, there are other moms who are strolling in here 30 minutes late with a crying baby and their boob out, right? So like, it was a nice realization by exposing ourselves to these situations outside and continuing to engage in valued activities like groups and whatever it is, you expose yourself to this realization that you're not alone. And if you just continue to sit at home by yourself and if that depression takes over and you're not living your values out in the way that you can, you can just really easily get yourself in this momentum of like, I'm all by myself. I'm doing this all wrong. Everyone else is a better parent than I am. And I have it all wrong. I made a horrible mistake and I'm never going to be able to get out of it. Yep. Yep. It was, it, I think what's important too. So I had... I have since gotten rid of social media, um, but I had made a post when my son was four weeks old and it happened to be around like postpartum depression awareness week or something. Um, and Chrissy Teigen was the one, I think she started the hashtag that like every mom matters, something like that. It was the same day. And so I took it as an opportunity to share my story with at least my Instagram father followers of like, hey, I might have been posting really cute pictures of his toes and his fingers, but I've been living in hell right now. And the outpouring of love and support that I got from that, one was great. And, you know, I had aunts calling me and cousins calling me, sharing their stories and telling me I wasn't alone, which was phenomenal. But what I think is really important for moms is to connect with other moms going through this a similar phase. So it's it's really nice to hear that you're not alone, that you know those before you have experienced these things as well. But where I have flourished and come to heal with 
a lot of this transition into motherhood is being able to connect with my peer set. So moms of newborns, moms of toddlers that I can just reach out to and say, hey, my kid just did this. Is that normal? Rather than be told like, oh, you'll get through it. It's okay. You know, I did that too. It's nice to have people that are going through it with you. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now, and now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. Silk and Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months, and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbod.com and click on deals. Yeah, absolutely. There is something really special about having women who are in that same phase of life as you and they can go through it with you. I remember, um, I remember feeling the way that you have felt, which is like, no one told me how hard this would be when I was pregnant and when I was preparing to become a mom, everyone was like, Oh, isn't it just wonderful? Like how excited are you? It's so amazing. It's the best feeling ever. And in a lot of ways that is true. And in a lot of ways, the opposite is also true. Like it is the most awful time in a lot of ways. It is really, really the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. And it seemed like no one told me that stuff until I said it first. It it seemed like, it seemed like as long as I continued to post those cute pictures on Instagram, like of my son's toes or of us hanging out at a park, everyone was like, so happy go lucky and jolly and it and isn't that beautiful aren't you just so happy but then as soon as i started to come out myself and say that i was struggling or this is actually what's going on everyone else was like oh yeah me too and in a way that's amazing i'm glad but why did it have to take for me to say that first like i wish that that was just the i, I just wish the narrative in general was more honest i agree so incredibly frustrating. So, so yeah, so we've already kind of talked about your experience and, you know, I wish the best for you, obviously moving forward in your transition with your second one. I'm curious, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to end, I'm really curious to pick your brain about where you, what you would tell yourself back then. So now that you've kind of come out of the trenches a little bit and you're gearing up for a second baby, knowing everything that we talked about, what is one thing that you wish you knew back then at any point? I definitely wish that I had known or had, and I don't know how you know this without having like a peer set, but having like the real story of breastfeeding. So not the textbook, like, you know, this is what's best for your baby, blah, blah, blah. 
but like, no, it hurts for a little bit and it sucks for a little bit and you just need to get through, you know, like the first 40 days. I definitely, like, if I could do that part over again, I would. I will say, I know I just said this is what's best for your baby. I also wish that the narrative would just change and we all truly be believed and followed fed is best. Um, because like I said, I, I mean, I don't judge my friends when they choose to formula feed their baby. I thought going into it that I wouldn't judge myself if that was the path I took. But then there's this, you know, conflicting thought that like, oh no, like I just need to push through. And there's such a narrative, I think, around breastfeeding and shame if you don't. And, you know, we have lactation consultants, but there's tons of moms out there that formula feed and they probably have questions too. Like, why don't we just have feeding consultants for your babies? Like take that pressure away from moms because obviously a mother is going to feed their baby. They don't need this added shame and guilt because it didn't come directly from them. Um, so I don't want anyone out there, like I am totally fed as best. It just happened that I chose to breastfeed. Um, and I wish that I had known more um, about like that the crying and the dependency in the beginning is really rough, but what I have found on the other side that makes me less nervous for number two is that going through all of that has given me a new sense of confidence that I never had before. So I think becoming a mother has just, you get that mama bear instinct and it has given me a sense of confidence that, you know, not only is in my family life, but my professional life as well. Um, that, hey, I went through this really dark time in my life and flourished and have a son that's flourishing. And I made tough decisions in those times that were really hard and have come out okay. And I wish that I had had that confidence then, or at least had been able to tell myself, you're going to feel lost and you're going to feel like you're screwing up every day, but you're not. Like, just be confident in yourself. You as a mother, you intuitively know like what your child needs, whether it feels like it in the moment or not. So just give yourself a breath and just know that you're going to get there. That's beautiful. And honestly, I would have to agree. That would probably be something that I wish I knew back then too, which is like, girl, you'll figure it out. Like you're doing so much better then you think you are like, you just need to give yourself a break. You will figure this out. And that's what I'm hearing you say a little bit, which is like, this really sucks right now. You're going to come out of this and feel like the biggest badass ever. And that's, I mean, I don't know how you feel. It seems like you're definitely more confident, but that's kind of how I feel. Like I definitely am at the point in my own healing where I feel like I can actually be grateful. It sounds really cliche, but I can actually be really grateful for that horrific time in my life because I feel like I can handle anything now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like I never thought that I would get there. I thought that I knew that at some point I would become at peace with that period of time in my life. Like I just knew that eventually that would pass and, you know, emotions would pass and, and come and go. But I never, I was very, always really skeptical about like, I'm never going to feel grateful for that period of my life. Like that's ridiculous. I would never wish that on anybody. And I still would never wish that on anybody, but I agree. Like we've come out of it so much stronger and with like 
these developed emotional muscles that we wouldn't have before. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think when you and I were talking before, I'm really proud of my postpartum di uh, depression diagnosis. And that sounds weird, but one, I think it's it's really important that other women realize it's very common and it's not something to be ashamed of. And it's not something that's, you know, going to define you for the rest of your life or the rest of your motherhood. And it's it's not something that you can't overcome. So I just like to be really real so that other moms know that it's okay. And, you know, I love sharing my story. I love talking about it. I, even if it wasn't, even if it was just the baby blues, I never was officially diagnosed with postpartum. I'm still really grateful and proud of how horrifically honest I will be about infancy and newborn period, because we need to be more transparent with each other. Yeah. 100%. I think that that is suggestive of where we're at in our healing journeys, um, that you're able to talk about it from a place where it's a scar and it's not a wound, right? So yeah, that we're able to kind of use these experiences as a way to bolster our own experiences and bolster our own confidence in the future and also hopefully help some other women. So um, if you could tell yourself anything back then, um, kind of related question, but if you could tell yourself anything back then, what else would you tell yourself? Hold your baby and don't feel guilty. I just remember being so upset that my son wouldn't nap unless he was held by someone. That I don't understand, newborns are supposed to sleep all the time. Why won't he sleep in his bassinet? Why the minute I put him down, does he wake up? And just feeling like I was doing something wrong because I was letting him sleep. That the only way he would sleep was on me. And looking back and for the next baby, that's just so silly. I'm going to hold my babies as long as they'll let me hold them. And I'm not going to feel one ounce of guilt or shame or unproductiveness or anything like that in doing so. There, I... I wish that was one thing that I had embraced earlier with my first. It's crazy. Like all of the, all of the ways that we would do things differently after having that experience of the first. And mm -hmm. I hear that from women so often, like that their second one, they're a little bit more relaxed and they have a different set of rules and a different set of expectations. I'm not at the point yet where I feel like I'm ready to have another one yet. And I don't know if I will be, but I think all the time, like, I would totally kick ass the second time around. <laughs> like, I just think of like how much confidence I lacked and how much I beat myself up and made things so much worse on myself. And that's not my fault. Like, I, I just didn't know any better. And now obviously I do. And I think that you're going to kick butt too. So oh, thank you. <laughs> so you've shared so many awesome practical solutions and practical suggestions that moms in general or moms especially going into having another child can take with them and, and use to kind of prepare and help their mental health. Can you think of anything else that you would recommend for a new or expecting mom? Any, anything that you would recommend as far as advice goes or anything in general? So the only, I know I harped on unsolicited advice. The only unsolicited advice that I give when I know a mom is expecting or a woman is expecting is um, one, have your baby evaluated for a 
tongue and lip tie. So that, that can have impacts outside of breastfeeding that can have other impacts down the road. So that's one advice, piece of advice that I give. And then if you are breastfeeding, I strongly recommend moms to look into the Haka because had I known about the Haka breast pump um, when my son was young and when I was early in breastfeeding, it really would have changed my freezer stash um, and what that looked like. In terms of relatable to all moms, I think it's just let it go. Like let things go. Who care? Who cares if your house is untidy or there's dishes in the sink? If your baby is smiling and laughing and you're smiling and laughing with them, that's all that matters. It's just a phase. Your house is not going to be messy forever. You're not going to be wearing maternity pants forever, unless you want to. I mean, they're comfortable. But, you know, it's such a small part of your life. Just let it go and enjoy the developing um, child in front of you. I love that. I love that so much. So last question. You've already kind of talked about, you know, this value that you place on having done hard things, having come through and been able to flourish in spite of difficult things happening in your life. So why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? I think it's important because it really shows each one of us what we're truly capable of. And, you know, it's not not just moms going through motherhood, but any watching anyone overcome a challenge. I think it's such an amazing feeling to be able to look back and say, wow, I did that. I never thought that I would be able to do that, but I came out the other side alive. And in doing that, you can, you know, it gives you confidence in so many different areas of your life. So in parenting, in relationships with your family, relationships with your friends at work. I think it's just so important to continually tr challenge yourself, whether it's a big challenge or a small challenge. I'm not going to eat a cookie today or I'm going to have a baby tomorrow. It, it's to test the limits of your own um, ability, I think is just the best gift you can give yourself in, in growing as a person and growing confidence as a person. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.